Welcome to the Working Moms Podcast, featuring inspiring stories and resources for the modern working mom. I'm your host, estate planning attorney, investor, and pregnant mama-to-be, Pam Moss. So today's guest is Allie Moore, and she is a small business attorney and the owner of Creatives Learn Law. Allie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Pam. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to be part of your first batch of podcast episodes. Yeah. Um, So I'd love to start by just hearing about your background and kind of your journey to becoming the owner of Creative Learns Law. Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up here in Colorado and when I was in high school, this is like a sort of a weird place to start, but when I was in high school, I took a darkroom photography class. I really enjoyed it. Um, I became friends with, with the person who taught that class with my teacher, and I ended up working for her wedding photography company briefly out of high school. And then in college and grad school, I went to grad school and got a degree in public policy. I ran a portrait and wedding photography company. Um, Actually, I'm still running it. I'm in the process of closing it. But uh, ever since then, I've done portrait and wedding photography sort of as a way to put myself through school or to supplement income at some low paying government jobs that I've had in the past. And I, I loved it. Like I loved running a small business. I loved working with our photo clients. Um, and then uh, law school was, I also, I loved, it was a great compliment to both be doing the creative work um, and to be doing that really analytical, um, you know, law school, I don't, maybe you disagree, Pam, but I think law school is really fun. You learn really interesting and challenging things. <laughs> I loved law school, so I'm similarly <laughs> nerdy. Yeah. So I, I loved law school. And when I graduated, I worked on the Colorado Supreme Court um, for Justice Boatwright. He's a great guy. And then I worked in the AG's office very briefly. Um, I worked for the legislative director in Cynthia Kaufman's attorney general's office before my daughter was born. Uh, And then I was like, you know what? I don't want to go back to a desk job. (laughs) As much as I love working for state government, I I want freedom and flexibility. Um, So my daughter's now two. I spent some time sort of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I did some contract work for a policy nonprofit. I ran our photo and video business. And I honestly thought about getting a master's degree in counseling because I was like, I just want to work one-on-one with people. I want to help people find fulfillment. And then I realized I could use my law degree to do those things, (laughs) which is crazy because I thought you could only use it to sue people. Um, But as you and I both have discovered, there are other options. (laughs) Uh, So about a year ago, I opened a firm serving um, other creatives. So people who run photography businesses, graphic design businesses, um, we have a variety of other clients, not everybody identifies as creatives. And I now have a partner and she represents a lot of wellness professionals. But basically we work with people who um, are kind of carving their own career path and are following their passion and also trying to get paid and earn a living while they do it. And it's great work. I really love it. Um, I love that. There were so many kind of pieces I just wanted to pull out of there. And kind of the first piece was, you know, you've always been, it sounds like very entrepreneurial and you, while, you know, in law school, you ran your own photography business while going to law school and then came out and still continued to run that photography business and really got to see kind of both sides, right. Of being a lawyer, helping businesses, but also running your own business at the same time. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm sure that gives you kind of just a different perspective as far as what small business owners really need from a legal perspective. Could you touch on that for a minute? Just why you saw this kind of need to serve this, this type of business owner? Yeah, absolutely. I like that question a lot because when I started our photo business and I was, you know, maybe 20, um, I, it was really like contracts were really scary. Taxes were really scary. I always felt like I was doing things, um, like with a certain degree of like, I don't even want to think about it because I'm just like, I know that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So it's easier if I just ignore it. Um, and then I learned both through operating a business and through going to law school that it's actually not that scary. And even a 20 year old could have, like, I could have figured it out if I had taken the time, um, and probably if I'd had the right resources. So it's actually, I think of it a lot. Like if you, I don't know if anybody else does like household budgeting, but for a long time we didn't budget because I was always afraid to look at the bank account because I just like, I was like, it's fine. We paid the bills, but I don't know what's going on in there. And I don't really want to know. (laughs) But once you look and sort through things, it gives you a sense of control and you can figure it out. And, And I think that legal compliance issues for small businesses, especially in pretty unregulated industries like creative industries, if you just spend a few hours uh, looking at it and, and getting answers to the questions. I mean, working with an attorney is obviously a great way, but even if you just spend a couple hours doing your own research, I think you will almost certainly feel better and not worse because your legal obligations are not as impossible as you think they are in most instances. Sometimes like sales tax is actually maybe worse, but most things it makes you feel better if you check it out. I love that. And I love that story of kind of the financial, right? Of We've all had those times in our lives where we just don't want to look at our bank accounts and how freeing it is. It's so counterintuitive, but how kind of getting clear of having your eyes wide open and and really having that clarity makes you feel better at the end. And I love that comparison to businesses and kind of legal services that it's so intimidating at first, but really once you kind of (laughs) crack that open and you can kind of feel more empowered by the process. What, um, what types of businesses do you work with and what types of products or services do you do with them as a small business attorney? Yeah. So most of my clients are solo entrepreneurs or they run a business with a friend or family member and they have maybe one or two business partners. Um, there's a big divide, I would say in terms of business lawyers that typically work with corporations that have multiple shareholders and investors and business lawyers that tend to work with small businesses where the people who own the business are also the people who are managing the business. And they may have some money from outside investors, but, but typically they're what entrepreneurs call bootstrapping. Uh, They're putting their own money into the business or just their sweat equity into the business uh, to earn the money that they need to operate their business. And they're growing by building on what they already have and not by getting money from venture capitalists. So that's broadly who I work with. And then specifically, I I really like working with people in the creative industry, Uh, but I work with some other people, uh, particularly I work with some realtors and other people in the real estate industry too. So, um, kind of touching on that, cause you mentioned, you know, there's kind of, kind of the traditional corporate attorneys that work with big corporations. And I guess I found even with helping my clients find attorneys, 
Um, I refer a lot of people to you <laughs> once I found you, but before I knew about you, the thing I struggled with with referring my clients to attorneys was, you know, some people would just do kind of the online thing and, um, it wouldn't be enough, but then they didn't have the money to pay like a large corporate attorney. And it seems like you're really kind of filling that gap of, you know, maybe online isn't enough and you don't want to spend more than you make per month hiring an attorney. So is that, am I understanding that right? As far as where you would consider yourself falling in the spectrum? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think the problem with online services, online legal services, which I think you probably would agree with Pam is that um, you probably can get what you need often from a website, but it's not going to be empowering and it's not going to happen in a way that gives you ownership of the issue, like you can get a form document that checks the box um, and is not custom to you. Um, And maybe that's, you know, you're like, okay, I needed an agreement and now I have an agreement, but you won't maybe know what's in that agreement and you won't be confident that what's in that agreement is reflective of your intention. Um, So I uh, work on a flat rate and I try to make my rate really affordable to small business owners. Um, like very small business owners, almost very few of my clients have more than hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue. So I try to keep, um, things really affordable. And I, I also want them to be empowering. I want it to be an educational process. I want people to feel like they know if I'm drafting a contract for them, I want them to feel like they know what's in the contract. I want them to understand how to maintain their LLC. Um, so sometimes what we work on, my partner and I, is how can we package more information in a way that's really easily accessible so we can provide it to our clients in an affordable way. Um, but it's, yeah, I'm learning how to do like a lot of one-on-one work and, and also, uh, charge really affordable rates. That's great. And kind of shifting gears here for a moment. Um, cause you mentioned you started your firm when you, around the time that you were having, had your daughter or that you were kind of, that was part of some of the kind of the decision. Can you tell me a little bit more about like how being a parent has, um, has intersected with entrepreneurship and how it's influenced you? Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the best parts about entrepreneurship is that you really own your schedule and you have to be responsive to your clients. But if you set expectations with your clients about your availability and your turnaround times and you do that appropriately and then you protect your schedule, and you don't sign up for too many things that don't <laughs> move the ball forward. That's been pre-COVID. I realized I did a lot of that. Um, but that you can control how much time you get to spend with your family and or how much time you get to spend doing non-work activities. And so sort of by like identifying uh, what my priorities were and, you know, you know, when you have a a kid, I think that most people who have a kid would agree that all of a sudden your priorities shift and your, your first priority is, um, is your kid and their well-being. And I know that, um, it's good for my daughter to be with me and it's good for me to be with my daughter. And, and I don't mean just me, it's also really good for her to be with her dad. And, Mm -hmm. um, but so, when she was first born and until when she was about six weeks old, I didn't work at all. And then I slowly eased back into work um, a few hours a day until she was about six months old. And I was like, okay, I'm not cut out to be a stay home parent. Like I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for four day a week childcare. 
Um, but to be able to make those decisions and, and make them in a way that was real time, really responsive to what I was experiencing, because having a new baby at home is really different than having a three month old at home, which is different than having a six month old. And every day as my needs sort of changed as a new parent and as my daughter's needs changed, um, it was only because I was an entrepreneur uh, was I able to be really responsive and flexible to that because, you know, most people, if they have the privilege of having parental leave, um, it's, you get this much parental leave and then you're back to work full time. Um, so it was so nice to be able to ease in. And then before COVID, then I was, I was still at a four day a week schedule, um, which is awesome. And now who the heck knows? like how many days a week I work, but I spend a lot of time with my child. So that's great. How has that been going kind of balancing in the COVID world right now? If most, you know, people watch this and if you are watching this around COVID time, you know, if not, you know, there's going to be other crises, there's going to be other challenges throughout your life, but how has that been going? Like as far as kind of balancing the two and do you have any kind of tips there? Yeah, we've definitely hit a rhythm. Like there are there are good weeks and there are bad weeks, right? Like if my husband and I both have really demanding weeks at work, it's just a nightmare. Um, but it's there's been I think more good things than bad things. It's been great to, to have nobody commuting. Um, it's challenging to find quiet workspace, and my for I'm working in the office at least. My spouse works in the living room, so it's really challenging for him to find quiet workspace. Um, but. I think that uh, overall, we've been really lucky that we have two parents who can, we both get to do our jobs from home, which is an enormous privilege. And we both have flexible and understanding. Um, I do, I also work part-time at the law school. So I have a flexible and understanding boss uh, at the law school where I teach. And I have flexible and understanding clients in my private firm. And my husband has a flexible and understanding boss. So basically what we've done is I get up early. I work first thing in the morning while my husband like gets breakfast and, and, you know, spends the first hour or so of the day with our daughter. Then he works, um, at nap time, we both get to work. And then after nap time, so late afternoon around three, uh, he hangs out with our daughter and then I work uninterrupted until about six and then we have family time together. And sometimes I've been trying not to do this, but sometimes I have to work again at like 8.30 or 9. But by that time of day, I'm pretty, pretty exhausted. <laughs> so it's good though. I I'm definitely think on the whole, I'm grateful for the way our lives have changed over the past few months, despite the fact that we're living through a really challenging time. I think that we've, we have more peace in our home now than we did when we were doing a lot of running around in, in February and early March. Oh, wow. That's really nice to know that you kind of have that rhythm down and that there is hope. (laughs) (laughs) You got to quit a lot of things. He has been, I've quit a lot of things, but there are things that I don't miss. So yeah. Can you touch on that? I know um, you kind of started talking about that. And would you say kind of one of the kind of key areas or key tips you would have for other working moms is to prioritize and say no? Yeah. Absolutely. And I, you know, I've never been good at saying no, and I've never been good at quitting things. My life has been like a snow and cause I never moved, you know, I grew up in Littleton. I went to law school and grad school and undergrad at DU. Like I've never moved. So my life is like a snowball of commitments where I just, 
keep committing to more things and never quitting old things, or at least it has been in the past. <laughs> so I'm closing our photo business, which um, I still have a few weddings left this year and next year. And I'm happy to work with those clients. I'm looking forward to those celebrations, but otherwise we're not taking new clients. We have a brick and mortar photo studio that we are also closing, um, which is great. There is no reason that I needed to be running two businesses and working part-time teaching at the law school that did not need to be happening. And it took COVID for me to realize that I was doing that for notes. <laughs> and then, um, I, I'm sad to say it, but a lot of what I let go of is social commitments. Just, you know, we have a lot of friends that, that from various parts of our lives that all live in town and I enjoy seeing them, but I'm also realizing that saying yes to, you know, the friends that I went to grad school with who I like and enjoy also means that I'm saying no to a night at home, um, with my husband and daughter. And so I just, you have to say no to more of that. Um, and that's okay. Um, we have really big families too. So not being able to have large family gatherings has sort of helped. I miss, I miss seeing our, you know, our cousins and our siblings, but I'm also like, Oh, we have Saturdays where we don't have anything on the calendar. <laughs> so I'll have to figure out how to balance that as we in who knows when, but eventually as we go back to larger gatherings, we'll have to figure out how to balance it. But saying no more, it's, it's something I've learned and I'm really taking to heart right now. Um, is there any other tips as far as kind of this entrepreneurship and family topic that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think everybody says this and it also was a lesson that took me a long time to learn, but outsource and delegate. Um, especially as an entrepreneur, I mean, something's the first thing that I outsourced was cleaning my house. Um, and it's awesome. Like it's a great luxury. Uh, it just takes the, the having one less thing on your to-do list is amazing. Um, uh, but I've gotten a lot better at outsourcing things in, in our business. Um, so actually this week, my partner and I hired a VA, we have a marketing person. We have uh, a bookkeeper for a long time. I kept our own books and filed our own tax returns which is like, it's such a huge waste of my time because I'm not that good at it. <laughs> like I'm not an accountant. It would take me forever. Um, and it feels scary at first because you're like, I'm going to pay this person when I could be uh, doing this for free. But the time that it frees up for us to put energy into things that are way more our bread and butter and that will ultimately result in revenue and in better service to our clients. Like it's a hundred percent worth the trade-off. So I think I wish that I would have been more seriously committed to it sooner and it also just it reduces stress I think it's going to increase our earning potential because we have more time that we can spend on high yield activities because we're not spending that time making social media graphics or figuring out what course platform to use and and the person who we hired is really good at those things and I'm pretty bad at those things so yeah I love that. So outsourcing kind of both in your personal life and then also in your professional life and really kind of taking some of that burden off yourself while freeing up more space to just do all the other things that are kind of you enjoy doing and are high value, right? Absolutely. Um, so you kind of are at this place in the business where you joined in with a partner and how did that process go and how is that going? Um, I know, you know, deciding to bring on a business partner <laughs> is a big decision. It's like getting married. So can you tell us a little bit about how that process was for you and, and any advice you'd give? 
Yeah. So my partner is my best friend from law school. Um, she was supposed to be traveling the world right now. She was in Chile on like the second month of her round the world trip. She had taken, she was working on the Colorado Court of Appeals, was taking a year off and she was going to go back to the Court of Appeals. And she was um, in Chile when she had to come home because she didn't, if she didn't go home in March, she didn't know when she would ever be able to go back to the U.S. because of, because of COVID. So when she got back, she was writing some blog posts for me. Um, since she's a lawyer, I was like, oh, you could write, you know, I, I'm having a hard time keeping up with my content marketing. Like, why don't you write some blog posts? And she was unemployed. Uh, so it worked out great. And then she was really enjoying it. She was liking the kind of work that we were doing and I was enjoying it. And I was also really feeling a time crunch because of, of the childcare situation. And I had more work um, than I could handle. So I asked her, I was like, do you want to become my business partner? Um, and, and that was a hard choice for her to make because she was supposed to go back to this, you know, good, steady, really good work-life balance government job at the end of this year. Um, and she had to walk away from that because you can't uh, practice law in a firm and then go, um, you know, in the middle of working for judges due to legal ethics, legal ethics constraints. Uh, so, and I was like, there's no guarantee that you'll make any money. I don't make very much money. <laughs> I make enough money, but it's, <laughs> it's not lucrative. <laughs> um, and she, she said she wanted to do it and, and she's awesome. So I've been training her. So there was, you know, at first, like we're splitting profits and I'm spending time training her, but I also know that she is going to be very good at what she does. She's going to bring in a whole new um, sort of group of clients for us because she's a yoga teacher and she's well connected in, in the yoga and wellness community. And I think we have a lot to offer that community. And so she's now maybe six weeks into being my business partner. Um, and we talk a lot our, our, um, the agreement we have between each other as, as sort of our management document for the business is super unconventional. And it talks a lot about the way that our relationship works and how we're going to check in with each other because we also have a friendship wrapped up, um, in our business. But we talk a lot about, um, you know, she'll say, I'm worried that, that you're doing the client work and I'm taking part of the profits. Um, but it adds so much value to me to have somebody who is my friend and who is on the inside of confidentiality for, for my client work and who has energy. So I love working with a partner. It is so refreshing after, um, you know, my husband and my sister are my business partners in the, in my photo business, but they really haven't, they've also been doing other things. This is the first time that I've been fully in it with a business partner. Um, and it's awesome. It's, it's been great. I really love it. I'm excited for, for what it will bring as we grow. And as my partner, Ashley, um, really comes into her own as a transactional lawyer, which I think she's already doing, but not being alone. is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's kind of two things I wanted to pull out of there. Cause that was great. And the first thing I wanted to pull out is, um, kind of what you were saying about communication and how you kind of have this unique, agreement that really sets that out. And, um, I actually, the paralegal I work with is a good friend of mine. And so I would love to hear, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who have family members or friends that they've considered going into business or they've gone into business with and wanting to kind of (laughs) balance that delicate balance of being a friend and also being in business together. So can you tell me a little bit more about what that was, what your advice is there? 
Yeah, sure. So as we are writing sort of not the operating agreement, because the operating agreement of a business is a really formal document that talks about um, things like how do you add a new owner and what happens if someone dies and not in our operating agreement, but in our, our um, I think we called it like a management document. We talked about the interpersonal side of, of business and we particularly talked about everywhere that we saw the potential for somebody to feel resentment or to feel like there was something unfair going on. So for example, profit sharing or um, amount of work that people put in. So if somebody has done way more client work uh, or somebody has generally just accomplished way more tasks and we're dividing profits pretty close to 50-50, how are we going to feel when it comes time we're paying ourselves once a quarter, when it comes time that quarter to pay, what are we going to do? So we put in sort of automatic points in our business operations. So we have quarterly check-ins and we have weekly check-ins. And there are questions that we ask at both of those meetings about how fair are things feeling? What is working, what is not working? And it was really important to us that we have those items as standing agenda items. So you don't have to, if somebody's feeling something challenging, like they are annoyed with their partner about something, or um, they feel slighted in some way, you don't have to wait to, to sort of feel like, how do I bring this up? Like there's a time where it's like, how are you, how are you feeling? Is this feeling good? Does the amount of money you're getting feel fair? And that question is just on the agenda. Um, so that's been great. And then at, one, at our weekly meeting, we always start with, cause it's easy to just go back and forth with each other and be like, Oh, did you do X, Y, and Z? Did you give so-and-so access to such and such account? Um, so at the beginning of every weekly meeting, it's just, we do a, how are you, <laughs> how are you feeling? What's going on in your life? And that's, t- there's 10 minutes of that on our weekly meeting agenda. So that's been really nice. Um, well, when we have a few more minutes left, and I just wanted to touch base on a few of the questions that we got in advance via Facebook. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and the first question is kind of the advantages and disadvantages of different business structures um, when you are starting out. So sole proprietors versus LLCs. Sure. So almost everyone I work with has an LLC. Um, what an LLC does is it makes your entity exist separately from you as a person, and that serves to protect your personal assets in certain instances where somebody uh, is a creditor of your business. I want to be clear that it's not magic. I think some people think that if they don't have an LLC, they're carrying all kinds of risk, and if they have an LLC, then they're totally protected. That is not the case at all. The biggest risk that a lot of business owners face is, is liability from personal injury, type lawsuits towards um so if you know if somebody's injured while they're working with you or you there's a data breach and you compromise someone's social security number like that kind of stuff they can sue your business and you as a person so you need to have insurance uh, but an llc protects you in mostly in contract so if you have um a creditor or if you, so if you have a business loan or if you have a commercial lease or even just your clients with your contract or your contracts with your clients, if those agreements are with your LLC instead of you personally, then only your business assets could ever be used to satisfy your obligation under those agreements. So um, the reason that almost everybody has an LLC without regard to sort of whether or not they get a ton of benefit from that is because they're like the easiest thing ever to form and to operate. So in Colorado, it costs $50. 
If I was going to fill out an LLC um, filing on the Secretary of State's website, it takes me under 10 minutes. Maybe it will take somebody new to the website 20 minutes. And then once a year, you have to pay $10 and file a quick thing called a periodic report to maintain your status. You also have to keep your financial, um, your business's finances separate from your personal finances. You need to keep good records, have a separate bank account, and that's it. Um, so it's really easy to have an LLC and, and so easy that I have my corporate law professor in law school said it would almost be malpractice to ever tell someone they should just remain a sole proprietor because the cost benefit analysis is pretty much always going to come out in favor of paying the $50 and starting the LLC. And what about kind of the S corp? Yeah. So an S corp, uh, an S election is an IRS tax election. So it's not anything that you would do. On the Colorado Secretary of State's website, you still need a state-level entity. So you would have either an LLC or a corporation. And then you file a form with the IRS that says, I want to be taxed as an S-corporation. And the reason people do that is because they earn enough money to pay themselves profit plus, or excuse me, salary plus profit. So if you can pay yourself a reasonable salary for your industry, and then you still pay yourself more money, if you take an S-election, your salary is subject to payroll tax and your profit is not. So people are only ready for an S election when they're earning um, like a, a good salary for their industry. Who the heck knows what that is? The IRS doesn't tell you what that is. But typically I will tell people as a very loose rule of thumb that if you're not earning $40,000 a year full time for, for most industries or people are gonna run their own business, running payroll so you can have an S-corp is probably not going to be worth it. But once you start earning more than that, start talking to your CPA about if, if you might benefit. And then the second question was during COVID, should you be having, um, if you own a business, should you be having your customers or clients sign waivers or releases with regard to kind of their exposure to COVID um, as part of working with your business? Yeah. So um, if you are providing in-person services, I think it's a great idea to use a liability waiver for COVID exposure. Um, it would be very hard for someone to win a lawsuit against you for giving them COVID because they would have to prove um, that you were the source of their COVID infection and it's an airborne disease. So that would be challenging to win, right? Usually if you look at cases about disease transmission, they're going to be STDs because it's much easier to say why well, we had this many sexual partners. Um, airborne diseases are everywhere. So hard to win, but still a liability waiver can help just be another sort of barrier. If somebody gets really sick um, and they were, um, you know, especially if you were at special events and you were a wedding venue, and somebody came to a wedding at your venue and then they got COVID-19, um, if they had signed a liability waiver that said, when I come into this space, I acknowledge that I, I, I have a risk of exposure to COVID-19 and I waive my right to sue you, that's going to be really helpful. Um, so I think it's a great idea to use those waivers if, if it's compatible with the way that you do business. I know that there's, it's challenging, like that's, to get some, everybody to sign that, depending on how you provide services. You know, you're not walking into Qdoba and signing a liability waiver. So, so but not everyone is doing it. Um, our president thought that he should have them for his rally. So that's an indication of sort of uh, what lawyers are telling their clients. Um, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Pam. 
before we sign off, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah. So we have, um, uh, we have great legal tips on Instagram most regularly. And we're on Instagram at creatives learn law. We should have a mailing list to sign up on our website. I can't remember. That's one of those things that like needs to be outsourced. So I can't remember if it's there, but we're at creativeslearn.com. Uh, and you can sign up for our mailing list there if you're interested. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pam. It was great talking with you. Hey mama, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, www.findpam.com for all the show notes and links. And you will also get access to my free legal tool to name legal guardians. It's all right there at findpam.com.